So uh, we're doing this new series. If you're here for the first time, you need to know this is the first week of a series called Shook. And what, uh, the reason we did it is because talking to several students, having different conversations in different contexts, um, there's a lot of you, when it comes to, to Jesus or the things about Jesus, you are shook, like straight up. And so here's the definition you need to know. We're kind of working on this definition of shook. It's emotionally or physically disturbed, upset, shocked, or surprised. For example, when that girl saw that giant beach ball, she was shook. Exactly. Right. So, so that is what we're talking about, man. When you're, when you're upset, you're emotionally disturbed, you, you are not right, you are surprised, you are shocked. You're shook. For some of you, you are like me, that when I was your age, I would sit in church I would sit in, in the seats that you're sitting in with, with a person uh, much like myself standing up here speaking. And they would come to the end of their message and they would say, hey, does anyone want to know Jesus? And if you do, I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me. And they would go into talking about, and which I totally believe is true and, and is right, that they would go into talking about um, praying that, and telling God, confessing to God that, that we are sinful and we are in need of a savior and that we're trusting that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and, and offered forgiveness and, and we wanna be forgiven and asking for forgiveness and asking God to be the Lord of our life. They would ask that. They would say, hey, if you wanna do that, I wanna invite you to pray that prayer. And what you need to understand is that I had a lot of doubt in my salvation. If I was saved or if I wasn't saved, it was very situational like I was so afraid Jesus was gonna come back and, and I was gonna be left. There's a, a verse in the Bible that says um, that he will come back like a thief in the night, like that you won't expect it, you won't know it when Jesus comes back. And so literally one Christmas, I was for sure, when, when else would Jesus come back except on his birthday, right? Christmas Eve, like he's coming back tomorrow. And so this is what I did. Literally, I stayed up all night, not because I wanted to see Santa Claus, you know, I stayed up all night because I was like, I'm expecting you, Jesus. And if I'm expecting you, then you can't come back while I'm thinking about it. And so I'm just gonna sit here and think about it all night. And so literally, I was like a fourth grader, fifth grader, I was just up all night because I was so scared that Jesus was gonna come back and I didn't believe that I was truly saved. I, I didn't know, like I doubted it. And so when somebody would come and say, hey, do you wanna pray this prayer? I never raised my hand, I never stood up, I never came up front, but I prayed it every single time in hopes that this last time would be the time that I would be saved. I believe that if a prayer, like that, that a prayer could actually save me. I believe that, that if I said a certain kind of words and I felt a certain kind of way when I said a certain kind of words, that, that maybe that would save me. So I struggle with a lot of doubt. What you understand is doubt from, from this kind of relationship comes um, not because we know God's promises, but they, become, they come because we're trusting our feelings. I tell you this a lot, that doubt is the, is the product of trusting feelings over promises. That when it comes to God, when it comes to knowing if God is here and believing that God is with us and that he has saved us, a lot of doubt happens 
when our situational feelings, meaning as situations change, our feelings change. As our day goes, our feelings change. Man, we're having a good day, we're having a bad day based on how other people acted, based on what went on that day. I could be having a great day, I could get in a car wreck, I could tell everyone else, man, my day was terrible, yet 90% of it was great. I had 1%, 10%, whatever the math is, 10% of my day was a car wreck. So I'd say my whole day was awful. It was situational, right? My feelings changed. And so what often happens is when it comes to God and our relationship with God, that we begin to assess our feelings on whether we're saved or not whether he loves us or not, whether we have a relationship with him or not. Our feelings are inconsistent. And so doubt happens. And it's the product of trusting our feelings over knowing God's promises. And when bad things happen, the first thing you begin to listen to is your feelings. When hard things happen, we listen to our feelings instead of God's promises first. And so doubt happens. I lived in this world of doubt and what I know is because my friends did too and what I know is that you do also. Is that some of you in this room, you can relate like, man, yes, especially those that have been raised in church. You're like, yes, absolutely, I am with you. I pray it every time to this day because just in case, just in, I just wanna know and, and, and I doubt that's what I love about God's words because it's full of his promises. In John 3.16, this guy John records something that Jesus said. And this is what Jesus said. Jesus being, if you've, it is your first time here, maybe it's your first time at church ever, what you need to know is that, um, well, we believe this right here. That God, the creator of the universe who created all things, who is over all and, and through all and in all and, and who is uh, and has always been God, loved the world in this way. That he gave his only son, Jesus, so that everyone who would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. And he says eternal life, and he's talking when he says perish, eternal death. So that you would not die an eternal death, but you would have an eternal life. That The Bible says, man, the consequences of our sin is death. It is a separation from God that that is the payment, the price of our sin. But yet, God loved us in this way that he gave Jesus his own son his perfect son, to die in our place. That we trust our feelings over it so much, but yet his word says in a verse that most of us have heard maybe a hundred times, that he gave his son that everyone, anyone who would believe in Jesus would not perish but have everlasting life. He goes on in John 5. This is what he says. He says, truly I tell you, anyone who hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but is passed from death to life. He says, I'm telling you, anyone who hears my words, this is Jesus writing, he says, anyone who hears and believes that I have come to pay the price for your sin, to save you from your sins, like you've trusted me and you placed your faith in that, So often the problem is, though, is that we believe the word believe. We believe this word believes. Anyone who believes, anyone who says it, then they believe. Yet we are not honest people. 
that maybe even in our minds we believe it, but our hearts and our lives don't act on it. That our words believe it. It's like someone who's cheating on someone else in a relationship. Hey, I love you, I care for you, but in our heart, we have different desires. And and our minds are are going different places, but yet our mouths and kind of our, our external actions, they say one thing, but really what's happening inside is different. And so often we take believe as if we pray a certain prayer. Anyone who hears my words and prays a certain prayer, man, he will have life. He will not come under judgment. That's not what he's saying. This word believe is is a bigger word than that. It's a stronger word than that. And I I would ask, man, have you truly believed with your life? Does your life say that your belief system has changed? Does your life say... And tell the world about what you really believe about God and who he is and his call on your life. He says, the one who believes will not come under judgment, but will pass from death, a destiny for death, to a destiny for eternal life. He will be saved, he will be rescued. John, this guy, he like writes a lot of this, and, and we're going to go down to this last passage. I'm going to read two more, but... But the last passage I'm gonna read for you kind of talks about why he writes this, but it's over and over again of him writing about Jesus' promises. In in John 1, 12 to 13, he says this. He says, but all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to to those who believed in his name, who were born not of natural descent, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God, that word born means meaning, like it means new life. Like you were born, like you know what it is to be, if you went to health class, right, what birth looks like, it's gross. But he's saying, man, this is, this is not a born of man. It's not a born of your own desires. It's not born because people caused birth. No, it is, it is born of God. It says anyone who would receive Jesus and then believe in Jesus. You gotta know those are two things. Anyone who would receive, and to those who would believe. Some of you have received a lot of truth. I get it, I get it, I get it, but you haven't truly believed. He says, no, no, that person who is born of God, new life, new way, a life that says, man, I am a new creation in God. The fruit of my life says something different about the root of my life. He says, man, that person is a new creation. You know, an interesting statistic is that 70% of you in here when you graduate high school will drop out of church, that you will not go to church. And, and of those 70%, 80% of those 70% will not have planned on it. So 70% of you, let's just say there's, there's not quite, uh, I mean, there's probably 70 of you in here right now so I don't know that math, but let's assume there's 100 of you in here. And 70 of you decided you're not going to church again. So 80% of those 70 would not have planned on it at this time in their life that they were not gonna go to church again. 80% of them. 80% of them are gonna say, no, I'll probably continue to go to church the rest of my life. But yet, you stop, you get to school, things get busy, things get tough. 
uh, things get uncomfortable, things are new, you don't know what church to go to, you don't know what time it starts, all of that stuff. And you make excuses and you get in the habit, you're not going to church, you're just doing school, all of this. That you didn't make plans for your future and so plans just happen to make what you look like. And that's just what happens, 80% of you. Now of those 70% who left the church, a third of them will never come back. So of the 70 in here that would have left and, and not and left the church, that, that a third of you, roughly 25 or whatever, won't ever come back to church. And the question you, ask, you gotta ask is why? Why, what, what happens to that? What happens to those 25 that would never, never come back to church? Like what what would be the reasoning for that? And here's the reasoning that I believe is that they were never born of God, that they came to church, that you heard all the things, you externally were able to produce all the things and say all the things and act out all the things, but you know in your heart there's no relationship there. There's no, no understanding that that man, I'm connected to the God of this, this world, the creator of everything, and, and he loves me, and he speaks to me, and I, and, and, and I get to talk to him, and he shows me his plans, and he tells me when I'm not kind of doing right, and he, and he encourages me when I am, and he's with me in the hard times. Like, you know that's not there. That these people, I believe, they think they have it. They think they've experienced all God has to offer because they prayed a prayer. And then they go and the world hits them in the face. And they're like, where's God now? But yet they never knew God. But they were under this lie, this thought that, man, I am saved because I, I knew the right answers. God's saying, no, 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 that, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those who truly man, say, man, I, I'm, I'm surrendering my life to you. I'm, I'm believing in you. That for the people at this time, this was a, a right here, boys. The, the people at this time, this was like revolutionary. This was crazy for them. That two people were in this, in this listening arena. Ones that were like, nah, I don't believe it. Jesus isn't the guy. And the other people were like, this is changing my life. God is a change, like I, I am sold out for him. I recognize Jesus as the one that God promised to save us from our sin. And so they were changed. What they didn't have, you need to hear this, is they didn't have a bunch of people who prayed some prayers and pulled out a salvation card and said, hey, man, I'm gonna do what I wanna do, but when it comes time for that dying thing, I'm saved. I'm good. I got it. There wasn't a bunch of people who were living out their faith with a mediocre enthusiasm. Meaning a halfway, I'm not really caring about it. I'll say the things, I've got the things, but I don't really, I'm still gonna do my own thing. They're mediocre. There wasn't there. That's what we deal with now. It's people 
who think this applies to a mediocre faith. And what you need to know is the people who live in the mediocre are the people who often struggle with the most doubt about their salvation. And the people who are living in the mediocre are the people who should struggle with doubt about their salvation because they have a lot of reason to doubt whether God has saved their life or whether they just prayed a prayer. There's been no life change. God's calling for a full life change, a a new birth, a born again experience. But some of you in here, you're like, no, I I think I know Jesus. Like I I truly believe in him and I I truly try to follow him and and I know I mess up and that's what we all do. But but God forgives me and I'm broken over my sin, but but yet he changes me. You need to understand that then doubt, you need to understand we, we still have doubt, that still happens, but that doubt comes from the enemy and you need to understand is that you combat that doubt with promises, with God's promises. That's what happens here. You're called to combat that with God's promises and not listen. And so in closing, here's just what I want to share with you. This is the last thing that he, that he wrote as you consider you know, your, your life. And this is 1 John 5, 11 through 13. This is another book he wrote. He says, and this is a testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in the Son. The one who has the Son has life. Straight up. And the one who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I've written these things to you to, so that you who believe in the name of the Son of God, for those, <laughs> I've written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. He said, I've written these things so that you would know, so that you would look into God's word and then you would know that you would be assured of your salvation, that you would know I have the son and I'm trusting him in everything and, and, and I'm choosing to live for him. And you would know that you have life. And for those who just said some words but don't truly know Jesus or maybe have never even asked God to, to save you, you would recognize, man, I don't have the son I don't have life. He says, I'm, I'm writing this so you would know, so you would know and so you'd believe. And so as we close, I'm gonna invite you just to close your eyes and, and to bow your heads.